A convicted sex offender who lived at an autistic childcare centre in Ontario has been released from jail again. A British Columbia tribunal has sided with a daycare that ejected unvaccinated children during the pandemic. Rent in Canada continues to spike as the housing crisis worsens. Hello Canada, it's Monday, August 14th, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Cosmin Georgia. And I'm Elie Quentin-Antel. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. A convicted sex offender who lived at a childcare center for kids with autism before he was arrested in July was released on bail on Friday. This is the second time 42-year-old Lauriston Charles Maloney has been released from jail despite a lengthy list of criminal charges, including charges related to trafficking minors for sex. Mark Ruffolo, the sex offender's lawyer, argued that his client hadn't had a previous offense since 2013 and alleged that his charges were more suited to be settled in a labor court. Justice Douglas Conley, who is presiding over the case, disagreed with both of Ruffolo's claims, stating that human trafficking is not akin to a labor dispute, and that Maloney's 2013 charges were of a similar nature. Despite this, Conley granted Maloney bail with conditions. Maloney will be required to wear an ankle bracelet and reside in Brampton with his father as a part of his conditions. Maloney's next scheduled court date is September 14th in Bradford, Ontario. In July, Maloney was arrested and co-charged with two counts of assault, trafficking in a person, receiving material benefit resulting from trafficking a person, and forcible confinement. The charges have not yet been proven in court. Lauriston Maloney and his wife Amber Maloney lived at a childcare center for kids with autism. Last month, the Ontario Provincial Police warned residents of Essa Township that he had, quote, regular access to children. So we've talked about bail reform uh, on this show before. It's a topic that seems to come up almost every week as we see people who are charged with quite terrible crimes being released shortly after they're arrested. How on earth has someone with a rap sheet like Maloney's been released from jail? What is wrong with Canada's justice system, Ellie? Well, there's lots of problems. And I mean, I think we can thank Trudeau's 2019 uh, bail reforms, which have made it so easy to get bail. There have been so many homicide in different cities that were committed by people out on bail. I mean, if you look at BC, there's 200 frequent offenders that have been involved in 11,600 confrontations with police in one year alone. So I'm not surprised. I mean, look, there was a report out the other day that really shows that the uh, justice system is being infiltrated with liberals. I mean, they found that 76 percent of the judges that Trudeau has appointed made donations to the Liberal Party. So what you get, you get a progressive justice system that puts people out on bail. And the result of that is people are in danger. This story makes me so angry. 
A British Columbia tribunal has shut down a mother's claim for a $3,000 refund from a daycare that ejected her two children for being unvaccinated. The recent ruling by the BC Civil Resolution Tribunal ejected the mother, known as JM due to a publication ban related to the children's young age, after she took the daycare to court for terminating the childcare contract. JM demanded refunds for mental distress from the daycare, operator known as KM and a refund. The tribunal wrote, quote, I find KM and JM had further verbal discussions about this issue where JM advised that her husband did not want the children vaccinated and KM advised that unvaccinated children were a no-go. The mother was given a five-week notice that the contract would be terminated on the premise that she breached terms by refusing to have her children vaccinated. According to the ruling, the daycare was, quote, entitled to unilaterally terminate the contract and that the owner met all obligations. All of JM's claims were dismissed as a result of the decision. So, Cosman, we've seen time and time again where there appears to be discrimination against the unvaccinated and the courts hold it as constitutional or they sometimes even refuse to hear the case. Do you think the unvaccinated will ever get justice for how they were treated during the pandemic in Canada? Well, I think this is a particularly crazy case because we're talking about a daycare here. So that's children between the ages of one and five. And if I recall correctly, the age of 12 didn't even have to be vaccinated for a long time to uh, go on a plane. But here we have this daycare owner say that somehow children uh, under the age of five who were not vaccinated were somehow a risk to her and uh, the other children present, which I think statistically is simply not true. Little kids were not the ones uh, who were most at risk of the COVID-19 virus. It seemed to afflict people who were more elderly or had pre-existing health conditions. So I find the ruling here questionable, but it seems like the judge made a ruling based on a specific contract agreement that the daycare operator had with this client, and the ruling seems to be uh, in favor of the operator because they gave them a little bit longer than a month warning that they would uh, eject their unvaccinated child. So I don't think it really has anything to do with the justice of, you know, discriminating against a little kid here because of their parents' decision not to make them undergo a medical procedure. The ruling is just this very specific contractual obligation. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. The average rent in Canada reached a high of $2,078 in July according to a new report from Rentals.ca and Urban Nation. This is an increase of 8.9% from the same month last year and the highest rate of growth reported in three months. 
The report also found that rent also rose by 1.8% from June to July, the largest monthly jump in the last eight months. Compared to July 2020, the average asking rent was up by 21% or $354 extra per month. The report cited several factors behind the rising rents, such as the high demand from post-secondary students who are looking for housing before the fall semester, the influx of new residents, and worsening affordability of home ownership as interest rates have increased. This is the second month in a row where prices have edged even higher. Ellie, it's looking like it's going to become impossible for a lot of people to rent anywhere in Canada, not just big cities. Like $2,000 a month is quite a hefty payment for a lot of people, especially if you're in the lower income category, especially if you're you know, making $40,000 or less a year. So where do we go from here? What are governments going to do to address this housing crisis? And how can we roll some of these rental prices back to a livable standard? And that, those are good questions, Cosman. Look, it is shocking. I mean, to me, I've always considered two grand or three grand a month to be an upscale or luxury apartment. Now it is a normal apartment. And the reason why I consider that is when I was living in Edmonton, you could get a nice renovated downtown studio apartment for $750 a month. And this was just in 2021. It, we need more housing. We need more housing. We need more landlords. We need to stop this war on landlords that the left likes to uh, go on and discouraging people from being landlords and we also need to stop the mass immigration for every new unit of housing four to five immigrants arrive in canada that's not sustainable ontario needs to build more homes rather than you know try to make some sketchy deals about the green belt we need homes and we need to stop listening to the nimby people and the green activists er that oppose urban sprawls and they're like oh no i want the forest look Everywhere where we used to live used to be a forest at some point, and it's gotten to the point where we need more homes. Like we have the second largest landmass in the world. It's not like we don't have space to build more homes, affordable homes, apartments, and so on. The other thing that I think often gets overlooked, especially with relation to immigration, um, is the number of international students that Canada is taking. And it's quite a large number. I don't have it on hand right now, but it doesn't get included in the you know 500,000 new permanent residents every year that the Liberal government is bringing in. So we have this extra load on the housing system that is essentially a seasonal load many um, in many cases because they're they're looking for rent you know in the summer so that they can live somewhere for the fall semester and potentially live there for a period of uh, eight months or more and then they move on somewhere else or return home or come back right so we have an extra pressure here on the housing system and there's no guarantee that these international students will remain in Canada or, you know, move into real estate and build homes or become developers, right? So to, how, do you, what, how do you think the Liberal government can continue to justify this uh, extra load they're putting on the housing issue with all these newcomers? And will they face an easy time going into next year, going into a potential other election within the next two years 
uh, with the electorate trying to justify this? Uh, another good question. Look, the international students, it actually impacts Canadian students because students need really affordable housing. And there are wait lists now for on-campus housing. There are stories of students living in homeless shelters because there is not enough places for students to live. We have to put our students first. I, that's my basic philosophy. When I look at policy, it has to be Canadians first. And that's not what the government is doing right now. I think it is going to get harder. The liberal policy on housing doesn't make sense. I mean, one of the ministers the other day said, oh, we're going to make homes affordable without lowering the value of homes in places like Toronto or Ottawa. Uh, no, that's problematic because where I live, my parents bought their house for $200,000 in Ottawa in an upscale neighborhood in 2003. There are houses in my area now that are going for $3 million and they are not mansions. They are very box standard brick homes that is problematic. If anyone tells me that it is normal for two to three million dollars to buy you a standard house in a standard neighborhood, that's a problem, right? Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's it for today. And don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. If you're able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news. Thanks for listening and have a great day.